following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. To all of our Asian people as you come into this week, let me say, konghi fa choi. Is that, is that right, Nick? That, that interpreted means Happy New Year. And it's Asian Lunar New Year coming up, and it's the Year of the Dragon. Wow. The Year of the Dragon. Chinese New Year, I suppose, is an important time of year for all of our Asian friends. And, uh, and as with all of us, we look forward to new beginnings. Does anybody else look forward to a new beginning, a new start? How many of you love the reset button? Now, how many of you just love to press that reset button and just get a chance to start again and just sort of wipe the day? Wouldn't it be great if we could press a reset button with our bank? How many of you would love that? Huh? And so uh, the mortgage just gets cleared, the credit cards gets cleared. You just go, how many of you would love that? Let's write to the Prime Minister and see if we can do a reset button for our outlook. But, you know, the new year, all new years promise the opportunity of a reset button, just to start again, just to be able. And I think it's a wonderful thing to be able to start again, start with a a new beginning, start with a new vision, start with new opportunities, and uh, just to start with a clean slate, turn over a new leaf, to start again. And what a wonderful thing that is. Now, what happens with our Asian customs and cultures is that they are big believers in luck. And uh, now, that's not just the Asian people that believe in luck, but there's lots of people all over the world believe in luck. And, And so consequently, a lot of things are done to try to produce luck. But you know, the problem with luck is that luck is all about chance. Luck is all about hoping that maybe your number will fall this time, but you don't know if it will because it's all by chance. And luck doesn't choose just good people. It chooses anybody. Sometimes even bad people are chosen if they're lucky enough. But then on the other hand, you have another word that is different to luck, and it's a word called blessing. Everybody say blessing. And there's a difference between being lucky and being blessed. See, luck is chance, but blessing is choice. You can choose to be blessed. You can't choose to be lucky because it just comes on those that life picks. And who knows how that happens? But blessing is something that, It's connected to God. And blessing is something that you can choose to live in. And what I want to do today is to show you how you can live in blessing. How many of you want to live in blessing? 
How many of you want blessing upon your life? How many of you want 2012 to be the year of blessing upon your life? You can either live in the year of the dragon or you can live in the year of blessing. I'm going to live in the year of blessing. Anybody else going to join me in the year of blessing? Well, let me share with you three types of biblical blessings. Are you ready for this? The first one is found in Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. I want to talk to you about three types of blessing. The first blessing is the blessing of obedience. See, in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 to 6, it's probably one of the most critical chapters that God was writing to his people. Now, this happened as the children of Israel had come out of Egypt. They'd gone through the wilderness. They were now ready to walk into the promised land and live in the promises of God. And this is the word of God for them. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey, everybody say obey, the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all of his commandments which I commanded you today, then the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body the produce of the ground and the increase of your herds and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. How many of you want that upon your life? Is that what you want? Is that what? Because let me say to you that that is what God offers people on one condition. And what's the condition? The condition is obedience. It's not rocket science. It's not complicated. It's very, very simple. If you obey me, then these are the blessings that will follow you. God makes it clear that his blessing is not connected to luck, is not connected to chance, but is connected to obedience. And so you don't have to have all of the lucky numbers to fall into place and all the lucky colors to come into place. All you have to do is to find out what God wants from you and obey, and you will have a life of blessing. I was brought up in blessing. My mother is just one of the greatest influences in my life and still is, has not missed a day praying for me. Still, She's 77 years old in March and uh, she still prays for me every single day. But she taught me as a little kid about blessing. And my mother to this day is still living in blessing because as a little girl she discovered the blessing of obedience. And so get hold of this. When when they came to Australia, my father arrived here in 1951. My mother came in 1958. They were blessed from the day that they arrived here. They were blessed from day one. They lived in blessing. And so they would work and they had more than enough to meet their needs. And so they would send money across 
to my father's family and to my mother's family. They'd send money. They, they'd tithe. They'd give to the church. And they'd still have plenty to raise up their family. They'd still have plenty to buy their home and buy all the things that they needed. They just understood that if you obey God, you will be blessed. And so I was brought up under that whole principle of this. John, we want you to live a blessed life. And we have discovered that blessing is connected to obedience. Obey God and be blessed. Now, the flip side is also true. That if you disobey God, you'll be cursed. And so what happens is this is that just as there's blessing in obedience, there's also curses involved in disobedience. The Bible says that you don't have to be afraid of a curse because a curse without cause will not alight. But if if you give cause by disobeying God, then yeah, curses will be upon your life, but you can break the power of a curse really simply. Who can tell me how you break a power of a curse? obedience it's not rocket science and so so this is the way that it is god says if you walk on this road of obedience you'll be blessed but understand this that off the road to obedience if you go to the left if you go to the right there is curses and as soon as you get off the road of obedience there won't be showers of blessing there'll be showers of curses but If you decide once the curse is on you, oh, I don't like this, get back on the road of obedience and the blessing will come back on your life. It's pretty simple. It's not complicated. God never designed it to be complicated. He wanted it to be so simple that every single human being could understand it. So can I just say to you, don't put your trust and confidence in lucky numbers. Now, I live in a house that in Asian philosophy is considered incredibly lucky. My house number is 88. Now, Anne and I have always joked that if we ever sell our house, we'll go straight to the Chinese newspaper and advertise it. And advertise it because 88 is considered incredibly lucky. Now, if you live in number 44, you'll never sell your house to any Asian because no Asian will buy 44. Uh, It means, in their mind, death, death. But 88 means prosperity, prosperity. And so, uh, but you know, don't, for me, 13, do you know that there's buildings in Australia that don't have a 13th floor? Uh, You go straight from the 12th floor to the 14th floor. Fact is that the 14th floor is still the 13th floor, but nobody tells them that. <laughs> you can't change the fact that if you count up, you get the 13. Oh, no, we're just calling it 14 because we don't like 13. What is that? You know, you just need to get away from amulets and colors and talismans and rabbit's foots and fingers crossed and, and all those sort of stuff. The merry dance of hopefully we'll find luck somewhere. And just understand that blessing is available to everyone who obeys. And it's just simple. You know, it's it's not chance. It's obedience. And the first place of blessing is the place of obedience. Let me tell you, the second biblical blessing is the commanded blessing. This is found in Psalm 133. 
I love this psalm and it gets quoted so often, but sometimes we, we, we lose the significance of it and just quoting it so often. But this is what it says in Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Everybody say unity. The commanded blessing is connected to living in unity. And then the the psalmist, in beautiful, beautiful, colorful languages, just describe the benefits of living in unity. He says, it's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending from the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Just there's something beautiful. The psalmist is describing in language that's pretty relevant to the people that lived 4,000 years ago. The precious oil upon the head is like, uh, I thought we did shampoo to get rid of oily hair. But, uh, but in those days, the oil on the head was considered something anointed. It was something wonderful. It was something that people did to bless one another. The, the, the dew on Mount Hermon descending, it was just such, in, especially in a dry country, to see dew coming down and freshness and waters, it was lovely. But understand this, that in unity, God commands the blessing, life forevermore. So if you are divisive, unforgiving, quarrelsome, fault-finding, then you're going to attract a hard life. I'll tell you right now, you're going to attract a hard life. But if on the other hand, rather than being divisive, you're a peacemaker. Rather than being unforgiving, you're forgiving. Rather than being quarrelsome, you're loving. Rather than being fault-finding, you're looking for good. Then you will be blessed with a great life. Life forevermore. It's found in unity. Can I just say to you, look for unity Be a peacemaker. Bring unity into the world in which you live. If you bring unity into a church, then the church will be blessed by God. If you bring unity into a family, that family will be blessed by God. If you bring unity into a workplace, that workplace will be blessed by God. Wherever there is unity, it attracts a blessing. There is something about unity that just automatically attracts the combined commanded blessing of heaven. And I want to say to you that you need to be as a person, a peacemaker, bringing unity wherever that is. Now, my personality type is a peacemaker. That's, that's for me, you know, there, there are different personality types. But for me, I hate war. I love peace. I'm not one of these people that looks for arguments. I'm one of these people that loves to bring peace and loves to bring unity. I, I, I would be better as, I'd work better as a statesman that spoke on behalf of countries to bring, to bring unity than a general that would lead the army to war. So my personality type is much more a peaceful, united, I, I just love environments where there is peace. 
But some of you have to work hard at that. It's not your personality type. Your personality type is you see trouble and you go for it. You just love, you just love a bit of an argument. You just love, you love to correct, you love to control things. You just love to be in charge of things. And if it's not my way, it's the highway. Well, I'm telling you, you're going to have to work hard at trying to bring unity somewhere. And you have to ask the Holy Spirit to give you wisdom in how you can direct your personality type into a place where you can bring good leadership in love rather than just bring war wherever you go. Because there's something inside of that's got to say, I desire unity. Because in unity, there is the commanded blessing of God. And if you need help, then get help. If you need someone to give you perspective on how to get unity into your marriage, into your family, into your house, then get perspective. Get someone to help you. But don't live in a house that's disunited because in disunity you can never get the blessing. The commanded blessing won't be attracted to a house divided, but it will be to attracted to a house united. So can I ask every single member of this church to be a protector of unity, to be a protector of peace. Whatever you do, don't be fault-finding and divisive and unforgiving and quarrelsome, but be peacemakers, forgiving, loving, looking for the good in people. How many of you can say amen to that? I, I believe it's in the atmosphere of unity that God commands the blessing life forevermore. Let me share with you the third biblical blessing. What was the first one? The blessing that is connected to obedience. What's the second one? The commanded blessing, the blessing that's connected to living in unity. Let me share with you the third one. This is the showers of heaven blessings. The showers of heaven. There is a blessing that the Bible calls showers from heaven in Ezekiel. And in Malachi, it talks about the pouring out of the windows of heaven. Let's read this scripture in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. It says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. How many of you want that sort of blessing? Not enough room to receive it. My goodness, that's a blessing and a half. Well, what God does, he just opens the windows of heaven and just begins to pour out showers. Showers of blessing from heaven. Well, what's this blessing connected to? Well, it's, it's connected to generosity. See, the first blessing was connected to obedience. The second blessing is connected to unity. This blessing is connected to generosity. Now, generosity, uh, can, can I just say, falls into two categories. There's the generosity to God and the generosity to others. Let me talk to you, first of all, about generosity to God. Because this scripture in Malachi is specific about generosity to the house of God and the things of God. It talks about, now, now again, it talks about tithing. And at this point, a lot of people just put the off switch on. Oh, he's talking on tithing, off. I'm, I'm switched off. I'm going somewhere else. No, no, no. Just understand this because you can't rip this page out of the Bible. It's there. 
You just can't say, I don't like it, I'm ripping it out of the Bible. Well, you have a pretty skinny Bible if you just rip out every page that you don't like. Yep, I've got the thin Bible. <laughs> We've just lost a lot of pages. Now, you just can't do this. This is, this, is, this is connected to God trying to bring blessing into your life. And he brings blessing into your life by you understanding this whole principle of generosity. And it starts with generosity to God. Now, to be honest with you, I really believe that tithing per se can be legalistic. But generosity is never legalistic. Generosity is a New Testament principle. Matter of fact, generosity is probably one of the most biblical principles that that exist. It starts off with God. In the beginning, God created. How many of you know that's incredibly generous? He created the heavens and the earth. He created the Garden of Eden. He gave it to man, put man in it, said, look after it, tend it. God, God was incredibly generous right from the beginning. And God's going to be incredibly generous right to the end. How many of you want to go to heaven? The reason you want to go to heaven is because heaven is full of good things and full of God's generosity. And so right from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, we see the generosity of God. One of God's desires is for us to be like him. And if you want to be like God, then generosity has to be part of the way you do life. And so to be generous back to God is an absolutely awesome thing. And so tithing was, was you know, when, when you're small and immature, you've got to be told what to do. And so when, when you have little kids, then let me tell you that you've got to use the rule book a lot harder than when they become young adults. And so you got to do this, you got to do it. black is black, white is white. But the older they become, you start to reason with them. You start to hopefully for them to get it, to get it. And I really believe a lot of the legalism is for the immature. But they're principles that are established in order for us to become mature so that we no longer live by the law, we live by the grace that God has given us because now we're wise and we understand the principles And if you understand the principles, you don't have to live by the law. How many understand that? And so, so, you know, you're not going to lose your salvation by not tithing. But you're going to miss out on a blessing if you don't understand the principle of generosity. And generosity, generosity is just what God is trying to teach us. And and tithing is is part of us being generous to God. And And so I was taught tithing as a little kid. As a little kid, I was taught tithing, and my parents taught me tithing, and, and my, my, my father and mother-in-law taught and tithing, and, and uh, they're still in our church, and they still tithe, and they understand the whole thing of tithing. But their salvation is not based on tithing. Their salvation is based on what Jesus did on the cross. But the blessing of the outpoured windows of heaven is based on us understanding generosity. And understanding that of, of, of all the, the resources that God gives me, I start off with 10%. But you know what? Anne and I have always given way above 10%. We've given way, way, way more than 10%. And so not only do we tithe to our church, but we give to missions. We give to the building fund. We give to shore care. We give to, to charities. We give whatever. Because, and not only that, but then we move into the generosity of the people around us. And we, and we give because generosity is a revelation that, that, that the more I give, the more I get, rather than the more I give, the less I get. 
So you've got to understand that in God's economy, it's not a pie. See, with a lot of people, they see that giving is like a pie. I've got one pie, and so if I give a quarter of the pie away, I've only got three quarters for me. Or if I give half of the pie away, I've only got half for me. But the Bible nowhere connects giving to a pie. Throughout the Bible, giving is always connected to seed. And so when you see the sower scattering seed, then there's an understanding that you're sowing and you're giving, but there's a harvest that's going to come back to you. Throw your bread upon the waters for many days, it will come back to you. So when you look at generosity in the Bible, you see it as sowing and investing and placing somewhere where a return is going to come back to you. And so we've got the 30-fold return, we've got the 60-fold return, we've got the 100-fold return. There's this return that comes back to you. And so if you can shift your thinking from my generosity is a pie, and if I give three quarters of it, I've only got one quarter for me, to my giving is like seed sowing, and if I sow seed, then the return will come back to me, maybe 30-fold, maybe 60-fold, maybe 100-fold then it changes your whole shift about it and it connects it biblically to what God is saying. And you know what? There is, no, there is no other place in the Bible where God says, try me out on this. Test me out on this. If you don't believe it, why don't you just try a little test and see how you go? There's nowhere in the Bible where God says, I'm going to prove this to you by giving you the opportunity to test it out. More often than not, God says, do it and be blessed. Don't do it and be cursed. In this situation, he says, give it a go and see what happens. Give it a test and see what happens. Can I just say to you that God wants you to be generous? Then we move into the New Testament. And I suppose this scripture in the New Testament is Luke chapter 6. Verse 38, nobody can argue with this. Oh, this is certainly not under the law. This is Jesus teaching on this whole principle of generosity. And he's saying, give and it will be given back to you. Can you see this? This is not the pie. This is the sowing of seed. This is what Jesus explained this to be, this whole principle of generosity. Give and it will be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put back in your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And here's Jesus saying that there will always be a connection between what you give and what you receive. That's what he's saying. He's saying that, that the measure that you give will determine the measure that you receive. So if you give a thimbleful, well, this is what God does. He says, oh, thank you for the thimble. Now I'm going to press it down. I'm going to shake it. I'm going to just stir it up. And I'm going to give it back to you. A thimbleful running over into your lap. How many of you are excited about a thimbleful running over in your lap? Then some people say, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm going to stretch my faith and give a cup 
full of generosity. Fantastic. And God says, give me the cup. Okay, here's the cup. Oh, I'll press it down. I'll shake it. I'll stir it. And I'll give it back to you. A cup full running over into your lap. How many of you want a cup full? Well, then some of you are saying, okay, I know where you're heading here. Huh? So what if I give a wheelbarrow full? Well, he'll do the same with a wheelbarrow. What if I give him a truckload? Well, he'll do the same. It's, he's, this is what the scripture says. The measure that you give out will be the measure that gives back to you. It's certainly going to be much bigger overflowing than what, but that's the measure. So again, you know, folks, this is scripture. This is biblical blessing. Don't ever be afraid. You've got to get it out of your spirit that giving is like a pie. If I give half, I'll only have half. If I give a quarter, I'll only have three quarters. If I give three quarters, I'll only have a quarter. Get it out of your spirit and begin to see that it's like sowing and you will receive a harvest that's coming your way. I'm, I'm, I'm about to finish. I'm about to land the plane. Can I just say to you that generosity has to do much more than just giving of things. But you can be generous in words. One of the most beautiful things that we can do is be generous in words. Can I speak to the men? How many men have we got here? Give me a wave, all the men. You need to be generous the way you speak to your wife. She needs to hear words of encouragement from you. She needs to hear from you just words that built her up. That's one of the things that she longs for. Your kids need to hear the same thing. They need to hear words of acceptance. They need to hear words, you're loved, you're accepted, you're beautiful. Because there's a world out there telling them they don't match up. They don't, they, they don't live to the standard. They, they, they're just not quite there. They're being told that they're not beautiful enough. They're not skinny enough. They're not tall enough. They're not short enough. They're not this enough. They're not that enough. And they need an environment where they're surrounded by people that say, you are accepted just the way you are. You're loved just the way you are. You're beautiful just the way you are. You're accepted just the way you are. And just that whole environment, not that they've got to strive for acceptance. And I'm never quite there because I'm not perfect. And if I can only get acceptance when I'm perfect. Well, who's ever going to get acceptance? Because who gets to perfection? Jesus. Well, he's perfect. But the rest of us, we sort of, we sort of miss by uh, a long way. How wonderful it is to be in an environment where you're surrounded by words of encouragement. Words of encouragement. And even if they say, ah, nah, 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 just keep encouraging. You heard it this morning from Helen. Ah, nah, nah, nah. But at the end of the day, I'm just going to keep encouraging her. I'm just going to keep telling her how beautiful she is, how wonderful she is, what a blessing she is to this church. And you know what? She's going to keep hearing it from you people. And she's going to live to 120, bless God. How many of you believe that, huh? She's still a spring chicken. And uh, live to 120 because she just gets hearing all the time how loved she is. And Phil as well, what a great servant he is to our church. What a blessing he is to our church. How wonderful it is. Just can't do enough. 
just can't do enough to, to be a blessing to us. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? I want to just be a blessing. Well, you can help us launch a cert for and ministry training. I'd love to do that. Oh, I get excited about it. What a blessing. You know, I just can go on and on and on and on, go right throughout our church and just talk blessing over you and tell you how awesome you are and how wonderful you are. And, but you need to hear it at home. And if you're a significant person in someone's life, they need to hear from you how accepted they are, how wonderful they are. Nick and Gavin needed to hear this morning from me that I'm behind what they're doing. They needed to hear that from me. They needed to see, not only hear it from me, but to say, in front of the church, I'm supporting you guys and blessing you guys and believing in you and sending you forth from this place. They needed to hear that. You know what that does? It just makes them feel like there's a blessing upon their life. Can you do it to your little kids? Do you know what? There are kids that won't leave this place today without coming and saying hello to me. Why? Because in their eyes, they go to church and they're told, we go to church and talk to Jesus. And then they come inside and they see the pastor talking. I think, oh, the pastor's Jesus. Now, I'm not Jesus by any means, nor do I make them believe that I am. But in their eyes, if he's not Jesus, he's pretty close. And, and so I take the responsibility seriously and just go up to them and bless them and tell them how beautiful they are, how lovely they are, how important they are, how wonderful they are. And we've got little kids that won't leave church without coming to give Pastor John a hug because they want to hear words of encouragement and words of blessing you'll never lack friends if every time you open your mouth you say something wonderful you'll never be lonely you'll always have people phoning you up wanting to talk to you because people need to hear words of generosity words of comfort words that build them up and you've got that within you can you be generous with your words don't be stingy and hold them to you but just open up your heart and let it flow let it flow let them get to a point where they say enough i've had enough please just settle down i can't take any more words of encouragement wouldn't that be awesome how many of you are looking forward to be able to say that I just can't take anymore. I, I've just been so blessed with words of encouragement. And I really believe that when you can do that, it's just an awesome thing. Can I speak a pastor's blessing over your life? Right now, I want to speak into every single one. I've written down this, this, this blessing. And I want you just to put your pens down, your papers down, so I can speak it into your spirit. Here it is. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with the blessings that are yours in heavenly places in Christ. I bless your mind so that it may be renewed and made into the mind of Christ. May you be filled with thoughts, ideas, and concepts that increase your God-given capacity. I bless your eyes that they may be able to look upon that which is right and godly and not focus upon that which is evil. 
I bless your ears so that they may be able to hear those things that are uplifting, encouraging, and faith-inspiring. I bless your mouth so that you may be able to speak words of wisdom, encouragement, faith, and blessing towards yourself and those around you. I bless your hands so that they may be filled with love, tenderness, and prosperity. I bless your feet so that you may walk the walk of the righteous and follow your God-given road to destiny. I bless your life with success, peace, and joy. May God's angels surround you to protect you and keep you from falling. May the Lord open the windows of heaven over you and your home. May his grace, mercy, and good favor find you in your life's journey. I bless you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, I just pray that every heart will be open to receive that blessing, the pastor's blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let me finish this morning by just saying this. Never, ever, ever, ever confuse luck with blessing. Don't ever say, I'm just a lucky person. No, no, no. You're a blessed person. For the Chinese, for those that are Asian, red is the lucky color. Can I tell you where it started from? Now, the the red envelopes are coming out. How many of you are believing for a red envelope? Uh, How many of you are going to give out red envelopes? Yeah. Red envelopes, red lanterns, red firecrackers to the Asians. Red was the... Red, they consider the lucky color but it was actually the color of blessing see if you go right back to the ancient Chinese they actually believed in one God and the ancient Chinese actually had even in their writing biblical principles and in actual fact red was not the lucky color it was the color of blood they understood this And so that's why even today they have red over the lanterns, over the houses. They have red over their doorposts. They've just forgotten what it signifies. Can I just bring everybody back to what it signifies? Red is the reset color. Red is the color where the reset button is pressed. See, it's the color of forgiveness. Why is that? Because the Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. What does that mean? That means that every single person can have the reset button pressed in their life where the past is dealt with. It's covered over. You can start afresh. And that's what the blood of Jesus, when Jesus died upon that cross 2,000 years ago, and prior to him dying on the cross, it had to be the blood of animals, the blood of the lamb, the lamb that was shed and the blood that was spilt. It was able to wash away sins, but only temporarily. 
When Jesus died, it was the once and for all sacrifice that lasts forever. When Jesus shed his blood, the color of red. And we apply ourselves and understand this, that, that by, by, by saying, Jesus, you died for me, we are people that say, the blood of Jesus avails for me. The blood of Jesus has washed me. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me. So you don't hear preaching like that today. A lot of people avoid that terminology, the blood of Jesus, the blood of the Lamb. They avoid that terminology. Why do they do that? I really believe that, that in the last days, the enemy wants to just get rid of the power that's found in the blood of Jesus to press the reset button in people's lives, to give them a new start, a new beginning, where all things that once were torturing you and creating guilt in your life are now passed away and God makes all things new, gives you a new start, a new life, a new beginning. What a wonderful thing it is. But you've got to come to the cross. You've got to come to that place of sacrifice where Jesus died in your place. And you've got to say, Jesus, I need to be washed. I need to be cleansed. I need to be set free. Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 